This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here. You're listening to the post-New York City Marathon podcast series I'm doing, similar to the Chicago series I did. We're going to do six episodes. This series is presented by Lagoon. Unlock your optimal rest and recovery by going to lagoonsleep.com and taking the two-minute sleep quiz to find the Lagoon pillow matched to you. And be entered to win a Gen 3 Aura ring. Use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, at checkout for an exclusive 15% off your first order. All right. So the first episode in this post-New York City Marathon series is actually with someone who ran the Chicago Marathon, but also the 5K the day before the New York City Marathon in New York. This is Susanna Sullivan. She's been on the show before. She was episode 396 after she placed third at the Grandma's Marathon in a time of 226.56. She's a two-time Olympic trials marathoner. She's also a sixth grade teacher, and she went and ran the Chicago Marathon in a time of 225.14. Big PR for her. Also finishing sixth place overall and the second American woman through the finish line. So big, big things ahead for Susanna. And I hope she's still celebrating that accomplishment. Well, then just a few weeks later, she went to New York City and ran the 5k championships. She was in New York with the TCS community celebrating teachers. She's a teacher herself. She works full time as a sixth grade teacher. And TCS is doing some really cool things honoring teachers. And she's going to tell you all about that in the beginning of this episode. Really excited for Susanna. And if you aren't already following her, go over to Instagram and follow her. She is Susanna Sullivan 4 over there. All right, friends, leave us a rating and review if you enjoy these extra series. I love doing them. And it would mean the world to me if you would head over to iTunes and leave a quick rating and review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. You can also leave a rating on Spotify. That is such a huge way for potential new listeners to find the show. I also want to mention, I'll be in Jacksonville, Florida for the Donna Marathon weekend, the weekend of February 3rd through 5th. We're going to have a big meetup. It's going to be a lot of fun. This is my sixth year going out there. I hope that many of you will join me. Go to breastcancermarathon.com. Use the code Lindsay10 and uh, come run the half marathon or the marathon with me. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Susanna Sullivan. Back on the show today, friends, we have Susanna Sullivan. I'm just going to jump right into it, Susanna, so we can capture the catching up that we're going to do. Sounds good. Did you get back from New York on Sunday, like evening? Sunday night, yeah. So you stayed for the marathon? I did. Okay. Tell me about that experience. Well, I was up in New York. I ran the 5K the day before, but um, I was there um, because I'm – for the past several months, I've been an ambassador for the, um, it's a program called team TCS teachers and it's with the title sponsor of New York. Um, and their corporate social responsibility mission is to, um, to kind of give back to teachers. And so they have this program where, um, teachers will apply to be kind of given a VIP experience at the world majors that they sponsor. Um, so there was, I don't, I think that there were teachers at London, but there were quite a few at Chicago, um, quite a few in Toronto, which is also sponsored by TCS. And then there were more than 50 in New York. And so I was there kind of to see the, uh, you know, their journey um, to the start line and then um, kind of receive them when they finished at the finish line. And it was a pretty incredible day, but it was a whirlwind. I had I've never experienced anything like a New York City Marathon weekend. Um, there was a lot of energy. It was very loud. There were a lot of crowds. Um, and that weather, man, that was rough. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah. I, on my long run in the morning, I was thinking, I'm, I'm, it's fine with me that I'm not running the marathon. <laughs> you weren't sad that you weren't out there racing? Uh, yeah, there was no FOMO. <laughs> 
Um, okay, I saw you post about the the teacher experience, and I wasn't sure what the details were of that. So I love hearing about that. And man, you teachers need more support. You're not paid enough. You're not. You don't get enough. So I'm so glad they're doing that. What does that look like for you as a professional athlete? Like, um, they just kind of wanted to give you, like, show you what they're doing for all the other teachers because your experience, obviously, when you go to a major now, is much different than the everyday teacher that's going to show up. Yeah. So I've been part of this community since probably like early August. Um, and there's, you know, there's a private Facebook group and there's just been this incredible energy. They, you know, they're, you know, sharing about, you know, the, the challenges of, of training for a marathon while, you know, starting a school year. And, um, and so it's just been really, really cool to kind of get to know a lot of the stories of these people all around, um, mostly in the United States, but some um, in Canada. And it sounds as though they're looking to expand it to London in the spring. So that's been really fun to be part of the community. And so occasionally I'll chime in if people ask, you know, for advice on, you know, various training things. But yeah, it's it's quite a, a like, you know, an active community. So that's been really fun to, to be part of and kind of hear their stories. Um, and then at the finish line, they had a, like a post-race party at Tavern on the Green and it was like incredible. Um, and so it was just really, really fun to see them kind of be treated like rock stars. Um, and like a lot of them have run a lot of marathons and, and all say that it's, it's the best experience they've ever had. So I love that. Yeah. I was thinking like, it's so important because like everybody that's training for a marathon is going into it with a different experience. So it's like, whether you're a teacher or maybe it's that you are a stay-at-home mom or maybe you're a doctor or whatever your profession is that you're doing like outside of running to be able to connect with people that have the same experience as you because nobody knows. Like I don't know what it's like to go into work and teach kids all day. So nobody knows that exact experience except for the people that are doing it. So I think that's so cool. How do people apply to be a part of, I mean, because they obviously aren't giving the, able to give this VIP experience to every single teacher who runs. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it's an application, um, process and I didn't see, um, I, I sort of joined the community right as, as the teachers had been chosen, but I saw some snippets of application pieces. And I know that somebody, um, there was, I think a, a math teacher from I think the Bronx who, you know, sat on the side of a wall and was playing a guitar and singing a song about how he teaches math in the Bronx. And so there, it seems like it was a really creative application process. Oh, cool. But, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it seems like a, a, you know, a really good program. And, um, they have another part of their teacher support thing. That's like a, a STEM education, um, support. So a lot of the teachers that are chosen, um, quite a few of them actually are already STEM teachers, um, in their schools. Um, and so on Friday before, um, before the marathon, there was a, a, a like a tech challenge, and there were four groups of kids, two groups of fifth graders, a middle school group and a high school group. And they came to um, basically the marathon finish line. There's a little pavilion right there. And they presented their their app that they had created. And um, it was kind of like a Shark Tank style oh, cool. uh, competition. It was really, really cute. And the group of fifth grade girls that won, and that was very near and dear to my heart because um, I taught fifth grade for seven years. I teach sixth grade now. But they were so excited and they got to hold the finish line tape for the men's wheelchair finisher, like oh. the, the winner. Um, and I was just thinking like, that's, you know, it's going to be a memory that they that lasts a lifetime for them. I don't know how you could be at the finish line of the New York City Marathon and not remember that forever. Um, so it'll be cool to see if they all turn out to be marathoners. Yeah. So. They'll remember that experience forever with the, the finish line feeling look that people have. Hopefully there weren't too many people collapsing that like scared them yeah, away right. from it though. Cause it was so hot. Yeah. Did you stay at the, like, did you get to stand there and like see a ton of people finishing then? Um, I, I did. I wasn't actually at the finish line when the girls held the finish line tape because I had promised a friend that I would hand him a water bottle at 17. Okay. And I just didn't really... I mean, I feel like I've been to marathons, but I don't know what I was thinking. I just didn't have an appreciation for how insane the crowds are in New York. Um, so I had the tracker out and I was watching him approach. He was at 16 and I was at 17 and I was standing like on the, like on the barricade. So I was 
nice and high above the crowds. And I thought like, for sure, I'll see him. He'll see me. And his little tracker man moved right past me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and he was moving pretty fast. So I like couldn't catch him um, while I was trying to like, you know, weave through the crowds. So I ended up kind of looking at the map and, and figuring out that I, the best bet would just be at 22. Uh-huh. And so that meant that I missed a lot of the top finishers. Uh, but I did get the water bottle handed off to him. Um, and afterwards he said, you know, you didn't, Aww. you didn't need to do that. And I said, if somebody told me that, that I was going to have, you know, if they were, <laughs> there were going to be calories at 17 and then they never yeah. you know, tried to figure it out and fix the problem. Um, I don't know that I have an easy time forgiving them. So. That's a crucial part to get calories. Yeah. If you think you're getting calories. Yeah. Especially on, on Sunday because the weather was so brutal. So, so this is so fun though, that you, you know, cause, and we're going to talk about your Chicago experience. You just had such a great race in Chicago and getting to then go to a major, like just four weeks later and experience it on the other side. Like, I'm yeah. so curious what that was like. Probably felt good to know that your race was done and, and it went oh, yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was relieved that the box was checked. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it, it was really, really fun to be around the energy and not have the pressure of running 26.2. Um, cause the 5k, it was really fun. And it was, you know, when I was thinking about it the night before the race, I think just being in New York, I felt like I walked like 15 <laughs> miles on Friday, just getting to and from various things that I was supposed to be at. And the night before the race, I was like, uh, I don't know. My legs don't feel that great, but I kept telling myself it's like it's a 5k it's a sprint for you <laughs> you know like the last time you raced was a marathon it'll be fine like it'll be over before you know it and so I mean it was so it kind of flew by so. yeah I want to talk about the 5k too um I I saw you all I think you're at 1.7 and I didn't get to shout your name because I was like I was like spotting everybody as you ran by but then afterwards I saw videos and pictures and I saw you were up there right with Emily for a while there um, tell me about the race and what it felt like running the 5k so quickly after Chicago on those marathon legs. Yeah. So I knew that, um, like even before Chicago, I knew that I would be in New York for the New York marathon weekend. And so I had talked with my coach about, you know, if I'm going to make the trip up, I think I was thinking, you know, like, I, I definitely don't think I'll be feeling like I'm missing out, not doing the marathon. I don't want to do the marathon, but I would like to, you know, I feel like I would like to race, um, if I'm up there. Um, and so he said that as long as I was recovering well, that, that the 5k was fine. Um, and we found out, I think about nine days before the race that it was the 5k championship. I'm not sure how I missed that. <laughs> I feel like it always gets announced like a day before and we're all like, Oh, that's happening now. That's that race. Yeah. So when it was initially kind of proposed, it was going to be kind of like a, you know, like not really a rust buster, but, you know, just something that would kind of get my legs going again. Um, and then obviously being U.S. championship kind of up the ante a bit. Um, and that field was loaded. Totally. Uh, so uh, that was a little intimidating, but I also figured there were really no expectations. Like if it, if it really fell apart, then it would just be like, oh, well, you know, she ran a marathon a month ago. So yeah, yeah. Um, so that was kind of nice going into it, knowing that like whatever happened was not going to be kind of a referendum on my fitness. We knew I was fit. I hadn't, I, I took a little bit of time off of, after Chicago enough to kind of get like the, you know, zip back in my legs, but not, you know, I, I hadn't lost a lot. I knew that. And so, yeah, no, being, uh, well, when the gun went off, I was second to last like almost immediately. Like, they went I out so fast. Out. You guys, yeah. I mean, like, what was it like a four forty mile or something? Yeah. I think I was like four fifty, but I looked wow. over my shoulder, um, because I, I didn't hear anything behind me. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I'm last. <laughs> like, it's like 200 meters into this race and I'm already last. <laughs> um, and I looked over my shoulder and I saw another body and I don't know who it was, but I was like, okay, I'm not actually last. I'm second to last. Um, but then pretty quickly, I didn't feel like I surged, but I was all of a sudden just kind of like passing people. Um, and I realized that like, okay, they must've just gone out like crazy. Like <laughs> this isn't a comfortable pace for them either, because I didn't feel like I was running out of my mind at that point, 
but it was about as fast as I was willing to go in the first mile of a 5k. So I was relieved that it kind of, it started to shake out. And then, yeah, by about like a mile and a quarter mile and a half, I was kind of up at the, near the front of that chase pack. Um, and that was also rather unexpected. And I was feeling great. I think I had underestimated what the Central Park Hills would mm-hmm. feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had just, you know, told myself going into it, like, you just have to be in it. And then you're nothing if not strong from the marathon. So like, it'll just work out. And it, it didn't really just work out. <laughs> but um, uh, I got passed by, I think, like, eight or nine people in the last mile. But like, it was fine. You um, put yourself in it, though. I think that's yeah. really admirable, not knowing, like, how the heck am I going to feel in this race? Yeah. Yeah. There was definitely a moment of panic in that first minute or two. Like, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe this is a mistake, but it worked out. So, yeah, um, you're right. That field was loaded. Did you talk to the ladies beforehand? Um, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if, you know, being in Reston and, and, you know, being kind of a training out here on my own, I don't know them as well. And, and I feel like race morning, everybody kind of tries to stick with their people. Um, but it, yeah, I feel like I'm getting to know more faces and that's, I mean, that was very much like a, a track centric crowd. Yes. I feel like most of those people like are not really on the roads as much. And I would definitely say that I'm more of a roads person. Yeah. Were you the only marathoner out there? Cause I, I so. yeah, really? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, you're a marathoner in a crowd of 5k, 10k runners. Yeah, I was trying not to think that, about that. <laughs> but yeah, it. Uh, I mean, it was fun. It was you know one of those things where, you know, just rip the bandaid off and see where you're at. So, so you were eleventh place in a sea of like we've just said like five k, ten k runners, all mm-hmm. who didn't just run a mar- run a marathon four weeks ago. Um, did it give you like a little bit of confidence on on the speed side of things? It did. Yeah. I mean, the buildup for Chicago was not, I, I, I said I'd done a, a couple of marathons. Chicago is my eighth marathon. Um, and the last two had been sort of like non-traditional buildups in that, like, I just didn't do a lot of long runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't do like a lot of long, long grindy stuff. And I kind of just tried to focus more on the shorter stuff, um, and kind of keeping like, just not have, you know, pounding my legs, you know, into the ground the whole cycle. So I knew heading into the marathon that like there had been some workouts that had, you know, I'd run close to like workout PRs. And so I knew that the, like the speed was there. I just didn't know how much the Chicago was going to have kind of zapped my legs and taken it out of mm-hmm. uh, me. But in the week, like the, you know, eight, nine days before the 5k, I did a workout where I ran like I matched a workout PR in the 400 and then another one in the thousand. So I knew that I knew my legs had pretty much bounced back and, but yeah, it is encouraging that after, even though it wasn't like a, a long grindy marathon cycle that after a marathon cycle, I still could bounce back pretty quickly. And it, it's encouraging to think about, you know, in the races that are ahead, um, that I'm at a good starting point already, like, you know, just four weeks after, after Chicago, feel like we have a, you know, we have a a kind of a baseline now to build from. What's it like racing the 5k though? Like, um, I always just think like as a marathoner and I know we have a lot of marathoners that listen, like racing a 5k is so weird and so hard because it's so short and you have to go fast the entire time. And once you've like kind of transitioned your brain into like marathon brain, where it's like that consistent pace where you're not struggling to breathe, you know? Yeah, yeah. How do you shift your mindset to be like, okay, this is a different kind of hurt? Um, I don't know. I, I, I did. I had like fully accepted that it was going to be painful, um, <laughs> like, um, and right away. Um, and I think I was just planning on kind of leaning into that because I, I love that part in a marathon where it's like really like, it, you know where it hurts. You uh, love that. Oh, wow. Okay. We're talking to a very special person here. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like to, you know, put it off as long as possible. Um, but then when it starts, I, I do try to lean into that and, um, you know, and realize that that's kind of where, where it all happens. So, um, I 
just kind of told myself that that, that part was going to happen way earlier. It was going to mm-hmm. happen at two minutes rather than yeah. it's like hours, you know, two minutes. Um, yeah. So I, I think also just telling yourself like it will be over yeah. soon and you want to finish without any regrets. Like in the marathon, you have longer to, you know, to just think through it. And, you know, if you don't take the opportunity at 16 miles to make it hurt. Well, that's fine. Cause you've still got a lot more chances to, to, you know, to dig a little deeper. I think in the 5k, it just requires a little more focus and just like a little more commitment, like even before mm-hmm. the gun goes off that like, mm-hmm. you're going to have to make this hurt right away. Um, because it will be like, if you lose contact, then it's, it's going to be really, really hard to dig. So that is really smart advice. I love that. And I love that. Like you have to make that decision to leave no regrets out there. Because it is a decision. Everybody has to make it. Like, there is a point where you can't go any harder, but there is also a point where you can, and you're going, okay, what do I do here? All right, everybody, a quick break here to thank Lagoon for supporting this podcast. Listen, there is nothing more important to me than a good pillow. I say that very boldly. I have spent a lot of time researching pillows in my day, and this is your answer. If you wake up groggy with a stiff neck or back or your pillow's just not satisfying you, Lagoon's performance pillows are designed to meet the needs of all types of sleepers so you can fall asleep in eight minutes and stay asleep for eight hours. Lagoon's proven process includes matching people with their ideal pillow and then allowing you to add or remove fill so that you can sleep comfortably and with proper alignment. Okay. So go to lagoonsleep.com to get started. Use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y at checkout for an exclusive 15% off your first order. Own your rest, Lagoon. All right, friends, back to the show. Okay, let's talk about Chicago now. Okay. Do you feel, okay, because when we first talked, you had had a great race in grandma's. And that's so July, August, September. So four months turn around to Chicago. And I ran into you on the lakefront, which was so awesome. I think I was like FaceTiming my kids when I saw you. Um, yeah, that was fun. And you were just casually out there running like the average person would probably just run right by and be like, no clue that this woman's about to get sixth place at the Chicago Marathon. You were just so casual about it. You had like a long sleeve t-shirt on. How does it feel like you knew you were so fit going into Chicago? You knew what you're capable of. How does it feel to actually get out there and do it? Yeah, I mean, I did feel like I was really fit, but there was a really, really strong group of women. And when we were having our kind of conversation with the Pacers the day before, um, and everybody just seemed so confident about like what they were going to run, like before like pinpointing it to like, you know, I want to run 225.30 or I want to run, you know, 224.45 or something like that. And I was like, uh, I think <laughs> I, would, I would like to PR. Um, and so I'm sure that they were like, oh my gosh, this girl. But yeah, when we were trying to figure out kind of what the pacers were going to do, I just didn't really have super strong feelings about it because mm. I, I knew that at grandma's what had served me really well was just like kind of constantly checking in on myself, like, does this feel comfortable? Does this feel comfortable? And immediately after grandma's, when my coach was like, all right, so what's, you know, what's the next goal? I said that, you know, I recognize that the next time out to 30, 232 pace might feel really, really, really hard. It's a, you know, I feel like grandma's was just kind of this magical day. And so like I, my PR before the 226, 56 at grandma's was 233 from Boston. And I knew that like at Boston, like I I struggled a bit with the course and I had a little bit of knee tendonitis in that race. So I knew that like on a flat fast course, I probably wouldn't run faster than I had Mm -hmm. it, but it still felt like a really big jump. And when I had run, um, at Boston last fall, I gave it everything that I had and that was 233. And so I was just kind of aware after grandma's that, you know, that might've been just like one of those like magical days and the next one might be really, really like very, very different. And then in the lead up to Chicago, when people were, you know, asking me about what the goal was, I was saying 225, but I also was acknowledging that 
the 22656 had come at grandma's, which like, I mean, we had fantastic weather that day. Mm-hmm. We had a tiny bit of a tailwind. Um, I had just come off of having COVID. So I kept on telling myself that that was kind of like the counter to the, you had a tailwind and it was slightly downhill. I was like, yeah, but I also had COVID. So like, I feel like 226.56 was probably a good representation of, of my fitness and not just the fact that we were, you know, we had a tailwind, but I was trying to take all those things into account and just kind of not, not count myself out and not discount the fact that a 226.56, even if it was downhill, was still like, you know, a really, a really, really solid and effort and representative of what my fitness was. So, um, when we were having those conversations about paces, I was just like, I don't really know. Um, and then as soon as the gun went off, I don't even know what went on. Like, I feel like people went with pacers that the day before that they said they weren't going to go with, I don't know, maybe I just had misunderstood the whole situation. And there was <laughs> a little bit after the meeting with the pacers, there was some texting going on about like, oh, well, actually now the pacer is going to do this or this person, I think has decided they're going to go with this pacer instead. And I, was, I don't know what's going on. Um, so I really just kind of had to like lock into that, like checking in on myself. Like I remember asking myself, not aloud, obviously, but like, does this feel like grandma's felt? And if I couldn't say yes, then I needed to back off. Mm-hmm. And so I did that a couple of times. And so I was pretty much alone for the first 10 K. Like there wasn't like one group or one like, you know, person that I was with for the first 10 K. I was just kind of just trying to like go by feel. And there was a lot of movement around me. Um, and then I punched my water bottle off the table at 10 K. So I had to flip around and go back for it because I thought that's too early to not get, not get nutrition. So, um, and that one actually, I think had gels taped to it. So I needed that one. I did something similar at 20, um, 20 K, but that one, I just let go. I was like, you know, forget it. Like it's fine. Did that throw Um, you off though? Like to get back into the, into your rhythm? Um, I I was just kind of kicking myself because it was like, I initially went for the wrong bottle, um, because I, my, my spot was position two, but there was no position. Like there was a blank position one. Um, had it already been taken or something? I don't know. Or maybe nobody was even in that spot. I don't know, but it was just like, I wasn't, I just wasn't focused, I think on yeah. what I was doing. Um, so that was, it was just frustrating, especially then like to get to the finish line and see that I was like, not super far off of breaking 225 to be like, ah, because I was side, I was like side by side with Sarah Inglis at that point, like as we came to 10 K and the 10 K mat was just beyond the water table, water bottle tables. And so I could see that I had lost about 20 seconds on that like, switch around. So knowing that kind of hurts, but at the same time, it's one of those things that's helpful thinking about doing another marathon to be like, well, there's at least that time that could be made up. Um, so yeah, it was fun. Um, I feel like I really ran within myself and then was kind of nervous when I started to see people coming back to me. Why'd that make you nervous? I just, I was nervous about passing people and then getting passed again. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted, I was just like really, I don't know. I just felt like it was a little soon to be passing people. I had told myself like, you know, just get to 20 and then start passing people. But then when I was like kind of not feeling like I was like running outside of myself and I was already starting to come up on people at like 13, 14, 15, I was like, I don't know, like maybe this is a little early. Like maybe I should just stay with them for a little while, but I was feeling good. So I just kept going. And, um, at about 22, I, I don't know if I was, if it was a turn or what, but I kicked myself, um, in the calf and I got one of those, like, kind of, it's kind of like right before you have a Charlie horse Mm -hmm. kind of cramp, um, in your calf. And it just feels like a little bit bound up. And I was like, Oh no, like this is, that could really uh, make or break some things. Yeah. And so I just, told myself like, okay, like you, you aren't going to be able to sprint. Like if you go up on your toes and like, you know, allow it to contract and it locks up, you'll be walking in. So, um, I feel like I 
that in, in some ways mentally that might have helped a little bit. It took the pressure off. Mm-hmm. It was like you just have to get to the finish line now. Like mm-hmm. um yeah, that was fun. It was a little frustrating in the last quarter of mile, three three, maybe like half mile to feel like that you I couldn't had a sprint or to push, but I like was just so scared that, you know, my calf would go and I would end up, you know, gaining three seconds from sprinting and then immediately losing three minutes by walking. So, so you felt um, that at mile 22 and you were still like feeling like it could be a problem at the end. Yeah. Wow. It just felt like it was, um, not, not a strain, but like, it just felt like I had a little, like a little knot mm-hmm. in my cap. And I was like, mm, I don't know. So that was frustrating, but it's interesting the way you run because, um, like you said, you just run within yourself and kind of just have to check in with yourself and do what feels right for you. Uh, but I know that it feels easier sometimes to be with a pack, right, to, like, work together. So that's probably a hard decision to make in the moment when you're, like, passing a small group thinking, oh, I could just, bun- you know, jump in with them and kind of let let them work with me. But – you got to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'd run pretty much every step of grandma's by myself. So I did kind of keep coming back to like, you, you can do this. Like, even though it would be less stressful to be with somebody, you, you can do this. Um, and there were a couple guys that were around me. So that was nice too. Who took that video? That video is so cool. It's like you oh. in slow-mo and then it speeds up. That was um, the TCS folks. Um, they had some, I think, it might be footsteps there. They had a media company that was doing, they were, they were taking videos of the teachers that were out on the course. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah. So I got some really great, I got a bunch of really good photos and some, some good clips. There's one clip where I'm convinced that there must've been like a cone or something lower on the ground, but it looks like I just like, don't know how to make a turn. It's <laughs> like, like there's clearly what the turn is. And then I run like basically like perpendicular to it. And <laughs> what was I doing? Um, but there are some really, some really cool photos and and videos from the race. Now I've talked to a couple other people who finished up top. Did you, they didn't know what place they were in. Did you? Not really. I did feel like people weren't saying as much as, as I have experienced in other races. Like I feel like usually people will tell you what number you are and I had kind of lost track. Um, I did see one woman drop out around maybe 19. Um, and at that point, I think I was, I was either the sec- the third American or the second. I was either, yeah, it was either second or third American at that point. And when she dropped out, that made me kind of think, I think she was maybe Sudanese. Um, but it made me think that she was out of the top five because okay. I feel like, you know, like just, because the Chicago money goes five deep. I thought if she's dropping out, I mean, she could be hurt, but it could be something strategic where, you know, she was just, you know, she was out of the money. So she was done. So Mm. I knew for sure that I wasn't in the top five because I figured she probably wouldn't drop otherwise. Um, good point. But I, that, I mean, that was just, you know, that's marathon logic at 20 miles. Yeah. Like I might as well get this paycheck and keep on going. Um, I didn't know that it pays out to the top five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. And you got sixth place. Oh, well. Did yeah, you- I mean, it was way better than I expected anyway. So it's fine. So, um, so way better than you expected. What did you expect? Um, I mean, I thought that I thought I could run 225. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't know where I that thought, would land you place wise. Yeah, I did. Right. Yeah. I just thought, I thought that there would be a lot of women in like the 224, 223 range. Cause I knew Chicago was fast. So, um, I just, I thought like, I'm just gonna run my own race and see where it it ends up. And I, I mean, it, I think it worked out as well as it possibly could have. Um, but I kind of thought that 225 would probably be like eighth, ninth, Mm -hmm. 10th. Um, but I think it was Sarah who said that she was, that when you ran by, you just cruised, like you just looked so strong. I felt good. Like it was, yeah, it was, it was a cool, it was a cool day. So I'm so curious now what your thoughts are on like sponsorships and doing this more full time. You're obviously teaching full time. We know that part of your story, which is amazing. Um, But like your race at grandma's was super credible and big. But this 
is probably even bigger, right? And you're on a world stage. So like, where does this leave you and how do you feel now? Um, yeah, I definitely think I want to pursue it a bit more full time and, and put more energy into it. Um, and I've been, you know, starting to, to, to think about what next year will look like. And I'm thinking seriously of, of pulling back a little bit. I still want to stay in the classroom. I think that that, um, you know, just having other things aside from running, um, to center me is, is really important mm -hmm. for me. Um, but something more like part-time, um, I really, really like teaching math. Um, I teach math and science this year. Um, but I, I, my heart is in the math stuff. Um, and I tutor a lot outside of school and it, that's all math. And so I'm looking more towards like maybe doing something like a math specialist position because I have the certification for that. Um, and that could be half time, which would be huge. I, I just feel like being able to get more sleep mm -hmm. and having everything be a little less frenetic. Like I think that I've done really well this past year when things have been really, really frenetic, but I definitely think there's some value to be had in like being able to take a breath, um, and not just have every day being like hyper scheduled mm -hmm. and, you know, one thing and, and then the next, um, you know, with two minutes between them. So yeah, I, I am kind of toying around with, with the idea that I, you know, if I were able to get some support, um, that would obviously be a lot, um, more realistic. Um, so it's definitely something that, uh, I started working with an agent after grandma's. I was um, going to ask you if you were working yeah. with an agent, Do you, are you allowed to say who you're working with? I think so. I don't know any of the rules. I, I work with Dan Lilo. Um, okay. And, uh, yeah, you, he's maybe been, said, you maybe said that in the last podcast. I can't remember. Yeah, I might have. Yeah. He's, he's really great. He has, um, he has a kid, I think in sixth grade, um, or around there. Um, so I think he really gets it. He really appreciates kind of what, um, you know, what my, what my day looks like. And that's been really, really good. Um, and so, yeah, so I think, I think I would like to pursue it more full time. The, the week of Chicago, my kids all had colds. Um, so stressful. Freaking like, out. Yeah. I like we, every day, our, our morning meeting, I was like, we're going outside. Yes. <laughs> um, we were doing a lot of stuff on clipboards outside that week because I just didn't want to breathe the same air as them. And that was actually probably a helpful distraction because I was, I had gotten myself so worked up that week of like, oh my gosh, Chicago is going to be so, so, so hard because on top of everything else that you're, you know, on top of the 26.2 miles, you're going to be really sick, you know? Um, and so I think when I woke up race morning and, you know, nasal passages were clear and I could <laughs> breathe and I could smell food, you know, and stuff like that. Um, that was, you know, a huge weight off. I feel like I was a lot calmer having arrived at race morning and, and, you know, not with the flu or something. So you're like, can the cold please come on Monday? Can we just get like, can this wait, can this fester for a minute and wait until Monday? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is so stressful. Yeah. Like taking that piece out would be nice. Like, yes. you know, not, not being in a classroom for seven, eight hours a day with kids who are, you know, like to give yourself like a breather that especially like just the week before the race, like give yourself that time to like rest more and also like avoid germs and all those things that would even be nice, but you can't take yeah. a whole week vacation time because yeah. you have a race on a weekend. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, if I were able to figure out something next year where I can lean a little bit more into the running and just make sure that you know, the rest of my life is facilitating me doing the best that I can on race day would be, be kind of nice. But yeah, I'm curious too, now that you're like, you're, I mean, you've been running for a while, but like, you're really rolling with this like competitive thing now. Like you've had some really big successes over the last couple of years, cherry blossom as well. Um, if people haven't been following and I'm curious, like, are you going to want to go to altitude and things like that, that you see these other pros being able to do because they're not working a job like teaching. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. You know, I feel like that's something that, um, you know, I want to talk about with my coach and with Dan, I know that like being in a routine here has been really good. And mm -hmm. I think that I don't think that I'm somebody who would thrive being like not being able to check in weekly with my coach, like in having like eyes on, um, like, I don't, I don't know that I would do great with the distance thing. Although like, I know that he, you know, he has lots of 
of, of friends um, and contacts, you know, in, in the running world. So if it were a situation where I could go to altitude and, you know, have someone watching the workouts and, and checking back in with him, maybe something like that would work out fine. Um, I am super sensitive to altitude. And I know that because I drove across the country in 2012 and I was having symptoms of altitude sickness in Amarillo, Texas, Okay, <laughs> which is like not high at all. It's yeah. Like, feet maybe. Um, and I was nauseous and I'm sure I would adapt. Um, but I would need to commit to being at altitude for a good chunk of time. Um, which, you know, and like being a teacher that the summers are a really good opportunity for that. But yeah, I would maybe like to, to be able to schedule those kind of things around, um, you know, around what is best for training, not necessarily what's best for the, the school year. Um, but more so than altitude, like once they finally decide where the trials are going to be, I think that's when having some flexibility in my schedule would be the most helpful because if it's going to be in Florida, then I would like to go train in Florida. And if it's going to be in Chattanooga, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe I'd run more hills here, but um, yeah, like just having the flexibility to, to tailor my training to, to be able to run my best race there. Um, would probably require more flexibility than I have as a teacher. So, wow, the trials are going to be here before we know it. It's it's crazy. And you have a real shot. How does that feel? I mean, look at the field that you raced against in Chicago. You know, you ha- you have a real shot. There's a huge depth in American distance running, but there's also like ten or fifteen people that could really make that team, and you're one of them. Yeah, it doesn't really quite seem real, but I mean, there's, I've got a year plus to let it sink in and hopefully make some more progress. So I just made that number up 10 to 15, but I was just kind of like trying to think of all the people that have ran really, really deep. Um, yeah, I mean, they had an amazing, I mean, I know the weather didn't really allow it to, you know, them to really showcase what they were capable of, but the field for that was assembled for New York was insane. Um, and I feel like the Chicago one was really strong too. And yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of, of women that are running really, really well. And, you know, if I weren't teaching full-time next year, it would be awesome to like link up with some of them and, and be able to to train and learn from them because it seems like they're really, really like fun women to, yes. to get to know. And I feel like I see them, you know, it's like very fleeting, you know, at, at race weekends and, and nothing more. And I feel like I'm getting to the point where I feel like I belong in that community a little bit more. And so it would be nice to like actually know these people. So you totally belong. Um, and I was thinking about that, just like how everybody really supports each other. You all are lining up to race. You want to, you want to be first, you want to be ahead of everybody else, but like, especially in a marathon and the trials is a little bit different because obviously you're racing to make an Olympic team, but, um, in a race like the majors and things like that, it's like, you really see the women coming together, like the American women coming together and like wanting to push each other and work with each other. And um, I think that you'll, in these next couple of years, develop some really deep friendships with these women because they're amazing and you're amazing. Thanks. It yeah. almost makes me want to tear up because just just seeing how everybody supports each other is so cool. Yeah, it really, I feel like I felt it more at Chicago and after Chicago so many people reached out after Chicago and have just been really, really encouraging. And then even like people who I felt like I had no idea would recognize me, um, in New York, just other runners, you know, in the hotel and things like just coming up and saying, Hey, like you're in an awesome race in Chicago. And I was like, Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, so that was, yeah, it's been fun to kind of feel like more part of that group instead of like kind of on the outside of it. So, yeah. I mean, if, if grandma's didn't put you on everybody's radar, Chicago surely did, you know? Yeah. Now, how did you find your agent? Like, how did you choose to work with your agent? Um, so my coach had worked with him. Um, I not really worked with him, but was familiar with him. And I kind of felt like that made the most sense since they already had, um, since, since Gerard already knew, um, knew Dan, I figured it would be easier. Like, so Gerard coaches George Mason university's team. Um, and so, figured like he's got enough on his plate without having to like, you know, meet somebody new and, and have, you know, establish a new professional relationship. So I knew that they communicated well and it just made the most sense. Um, and I didn't 
really have like a, you know, I didn't know anything about any of these people, um, you know, who represent athletes in the sport. Um, but when I started to ask around to friends and, and other people what they knew about Dan, they said, you know, he's a stand up guy and it just immediately seemed like a good fit. So that's um, awesome. That's also good. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun to get to know him a little bit better in New York as well. We just had a chance to talk a little bit more and um, yeah, I feel like I'm in good hands. So. That's awesome. So are you going to take some time off? No, you know, like I feel like I took a little time off, off after Chicago, but I mean, probably to most people, it doesn't seem like it because I just ran a 5k, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I feel like we're just not really putting a lot of pressure on anything for the rest of the year. Probably. I think I probably will race, like I'll run a Turkey trot. Um, like a local but, one. Yeah. Um, aside from that, I, I'm not really sure. Um, I really do like racing and, Right now, I'm not really putting any pressure on anything. Um, I think once January rolls around, we'll we have some you know big goals and we'll try to to chase those. But I think we're just gonna kind of kind of chill and you know feel out how things are going for the next couple of weeks. But yeah, <laughs> I feel like the holidays will be here before we know it. So. Well, right, because it's like next year, it's like you can do a spring marathon, but then mm-hmm. a fall if the trials are in February, like that feels kind of close, but maybe for some people who race frequently, like they're going to want that, you know, they're going to want that race in there. Have you thought about that strategy? I haven't really. I do think I want to do a spring marathon, but I want to focus more on shorter stuff until then. I think, I mean, my coach said right after, I think it was right after Chicago that like, you you know, you think you've got the marathon figured out. Like once you, as soon as you feel like you've got the marathon figured out, like it'll throw you a curveball. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I trust that, you know, he knows what he's doing and he'll have me ready for a spring marathon. I assume that we'll probably do something similar to the previous two buildups, but I'm kind of open to, you know, trying to figure out what I respond to best. So that, I think there will be a spring marathon, but before that, I think we'll still focus on shorter stuff, like right up until the spring marathon. Um, but I don't know. Um, well, cause that's the other question is like, would you maybe decide on your spring marathon based on where they say the trials are like run us try to run a similar course I don't know um I think the spring marathon probably um probably wouldn't be but then like the tune-up stuff immediately after like you know anything in the fall would probably like if it's gonna be a really hilly course I think maybe we don't choose a super flat half marathon Uh So, um, I mean, I would like to run a super flat half marathon, but <laughs> I'd also like to be as ready as I can be for the trials. So, yeah, well, I am really happy for you. It was, I think it was extra fun for me to see you racing and finishing because I got, well, because I got to interview you after grandma's, Yeah. but also cause I got to see you before the race and you were so calm, cool and collected. Like <laughs> I'm just going to go do this and see where I see where I land. Yeah, I felt oddly calm in Chicago. Really? What's going on? Like, yeah. You seemed I, really calm. Yeah. There were a lot of people because I feel like I'm not always, I don't know. I feel like I just am always, if there's like one, I'm moving from one thing to the next and there's not a lot of transition time. So I'm not, I just don't take a lot of time to be in one space at one time. Um, but I feel like in Chicago, it was like, there were no appointments on my calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just like totally focused on, on spending those last 72 hours, you know, if I needed to sleep, if I wanted to eat, like whatever it was, just like was totally focused on the race. And I feel like, because that's so much different from kind of the pace at which I exist Mm. all the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I did kind of just feel like I was like, I was very Zen. It was like, there was nothing I had to do and no time I had to do it. Um, so it it was really fun. You seemed like that when I saw you. I But then again, I guess I saw you like you were by yourself on the lakefront. It was really pretty. It was a beautiful day and good time yeah. to like, just like turn your mind off and just be, you know? Yeah. Um, so like with the sponsorship stuff, do you feel like, okay, if this all works out and I do this, like, how do you feel about the social media side of things? Cause you're going to have to like start posting more. I feel like brands expect that. And like, is that in your comfort zone? And that's just like part of being sponsored these days, it seems. Yeah. So I think for a long time, I mean, partly I think it was just that like, I hadn't quite figured out like 
what was working for me. And I think that it was just some discomfort in like, you know, not wanting to declare, like I've figured it out for myself. Um, and I think now that I'm just more comfortable saying that, you know, I don't, I don't know everything, um, you know, and I'm, I'm still learning a lot in this sport. I think that as I've leaned more into just like, just being open and honest, um, I thought that that would be something that would be really uncomfortable, but TCS, um, like in, in the partnership that I've had with them, um, albeit very brief, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it started in July or August. They've been so supportive of me finding my bearings in having a social media presence. Mm -hmm. uh, and just the fact that they haven't like asked me to, you know, be anything other than, you know, what I want to be authentically has been really, really nice. Um, I thought that, you know, when I, when I had to lean more into a, you know, having a social media presence that it would feel really uncomfortable and it, it surprisingly hasn't. Um, that's good. So yeah, so that's kind of exciting because I kind of felt like my opportunities in a sponsorship situation would be kind of limited because, um, I'm not a super public person. And I think that that partly comes from teaching because like there is a, there is a guardedness you just have to have because like it's other people's children and it's, you know, and it's experiences that sometimes the things that I feel the strongest about are things that I cannot share because mm -hmm. they involve other people's children or like just a frustration that I've had or a success that I have that like maybe wouldn't seem like, you know, maybe it isn't something, you know, that anybody else would feel like was something to be celebrated. But because I've seen this kid's journey, it's, you know, it's the highlight of my week or it's the highlight of my month that this special thing has happened. But like putting that on social media just doesn't, it's not appropriate. It doesn't make sense. It's not. Um, so like those kind of things that I felt really strongly about, I kind of felt like there was, there needed to be some, um, you know, I, I needed to protect that. And so it's been nice to kind of, yeah, find my footing in this like representing a, a community of teachers Um and feel like when I interact with them on social media, I can say certain things and they get it. Um, like I was joking around with them a couple of months ago. I, I think it was when I was at Chicago, my substitute who's phenomenal. He used to teach middle school math and he's like my go-to substitute um, emailed me at the end of the day, the Friday before Chicago and told me that he had given out all of the things that I had photocopied for the week after Chicago so that I would be ready because the kids had asked for it. And I was like, you know, when I say that to teachers, they understand like the intense frustration that that brings. Like the fact that like I have to run a major marathon on Sunday and on Monday, I don't have anything to give the kids. Um, yeah, that was like, and I feel like as I've kind of gotten more comfortable sharing those kind of things and getting the feedback that like, oh, we get that. Oh, teachers are, will eat that up. I mean, obviously <laughs> you have to be, you, you can only share so much, but like teachers will totally relate to that. Yeah. So I feel like as I've figured out, like there are ways to like connect with people that like don't that, that like are very much in line with the boundaries that I have. Mm -hmm. um, that's been, I feel like very eye opening to me and, and like just such a relief, I feel like. So I feel like I'm getting better at, you know, finding comfort and being open and honest and, and kind of sharing a glimpse into my life um, and not feel like I'm, you know, making a mistake in, in doing so. so. What did you do? on Monday then like what did you give uh, them we, <laughs> did you watch a movie um, I don't know we did we actually didn't watch a movie they did learn something I can't <laughs> tell you what we did I have absolutely no idea um yeah I don't know I remember after one of the trials like the day after the race was basically just like a debrief of the race like I was like oh yes for any question and that was like the lesson for the day can we do math um, on the splits of the race <laughs> yeah um yeah so I I don't know but Man, it was not it was not fun to come in on Monday morning and be like, I am exhausted, I am sore, and I have absolutely no idea what <laughs> you guys did on Friday because some of you decided to be a week ahead and some of you probably decided to get on your computer and play totally you know, look it or whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is hard too. I mean, I even feel like as my life has evolved and changed in a different way than yours, like as my kids have gotten older, like what I talk about is different because like as my kids get older, like if my 10 year old has 
some meltdown or big problem. Like I'm not going to share that. Like when my three-year-old had a meltdown and a problem and it was more like an emotional day for me as a mom, because it's just not appropriate. Like you were saying with your kids. So yeah, it's, it's shifted as the years have gone on, but, um, I love it. Like you just be authentically who you are and, and people will, will cling to that. And people are going to just love your story. Like love this, the teacher side of your life. And then like making this decision to maybe go more all in with the running. And, um, it's interesting though. So, you know, and, and the different athletes I talk to, um, are just more private than others. Like I'll just give two examples like Emily Sisson, for example, like she doesn't put every single thing out there on social media and she doesn't like talk about it a lot. But then you have Stephanie Bruce, who's like she wears her heart on her sleeve and like part of part of her career is telling those stories and they're they both do do it well, just very differently. So you'll find your footing and like how and where it works for you. No, that's true. Yeah. And those are two great examples of people that are like very likable, very, yeah, but very different. And yeah, you feel like, yeah, you kind of get a sense of who they are, but two different, very different approaches. So it's going to be exciting to see what these next few years look like for you. Thanks. Um, okay, Susanna. Well, we, we just did this, like, I don't know how many weeks ago. It wasn't that long ago. So we don't have to do end a podcast, but I guess we can wrap up with your takeaways from both Chicago weekend racing and having such a great experience. And then the New York city marathon weekend where you got to do the 5k and do the teacher experience and all that. What are your two takeaways? Yeah, it was really, really fun. And I feel like as I lean, um, I mean, I feel like maybe a year ago, people didn't have any sense that I'm a teacher. I feel like a lot of people do now. Um, and to just have that celebrated like in Chicago, I kind of feel like I ignored that piece of me. It was like, I'm going to be a professional runner for the next 72 hours. Mm. Um, and I feel like in New York, that was front and center because I was there to like do the teacher thing. Um, and you know, the people that I was interacting with, there was like a teacher coffee on Saturday after the race. And there was, I was judging this tech competition on Friday and I was just zipping all around the city being a teacher runner. Um, and so it was, I don't know, I feel like it's really I just feel like I got to the end of the weekend and I was just so relieved that like, I feel like in both of those, I really had an awesome time and it was, it was two very different parts of my life. I love that. It's beautiful to celebrate both of them. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I hope I get to see you at a race or an event or something over the spring, maybe Boston or some event. Yeah, no, it was fantastic seeing you and, um, in Chicago and I guess I, I briefly saw you in New York. I saw you <laughs> racing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, well done and gritting it out. Sunday oh. was rough. Um, <laughs> so I feel like you, I feel like you were intelligent in how you, you approached it. I feel like if you had waited until the wheels came off, yeah, it could have been a, a rough day, but yeah, I was kind of disappointed because I think on a good day I could have ran like three twenty five. Mm-hmm. or even closer to 320, like if it was a really good day. But then with the heat, I was like, maybe you'll be closer to 330. Mm-hmm. Um, no, 337. But yeah. And when I was running like the first seven miles, I was like, this feels good. Like my mm-hmm. body feels comfortable, but I knew I was overheating. And yeah. then my legs just felt so heavy. And I was like, this is weird. So yeah, yeah. It, I was like, seriously, at mile 10, almost in tears. And I was like, if I could stop right now, I think I would. But A, I was raising money for every mother count. So I was like, can't quit. B, how am I going to get back to my hotel even if I do? Yeah, right. It's a logistical yeah. challenge. Yeah. yeah. And then I was just like, and if you have to walk, you have to walk, which I didn't. But um, did you get to your, uh, it was 10,000, right? That you were. Well, so we're at 8,800. Okay. But I have till the end of November. Okay. And we, we do have a thousand dollars of company matching from my husband's company and then somebody else who donated. So like 500 each. And okay, so that'll be good. That'll be 9,000. No, no, that, that gets us, oh, that's, it gets us 9,800. So I want to see my meter go to 10,000 though. Oh, you'll get there. I'll help out. Okay. Thanks. But I don't, cause I don't think that the company matches are going to go to the page. So if we get to 10,000 on the page, that gets us, we'll actually be at 11,000, which is great. Nice. So. Thanks for asking. Oh, good luck. 
<laughs> Thank you. I know I need to post a couple more times and be like, I know the marathon's over, people, but come on, one one last push. Yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely something to be celebrated for for getting. I mean, there there were a couple people that I knew that were aiming for like mid two forties who ended up just squeaking in under three, which is oh, fantastic. Oh wow! I think that that was kind of the swing for a lot of people is that it was like. It was a, a lot of minutes. So Well, yeah, and it's different with the elites because your swing is a little bit, that window is a little bit smaller, right? Like if you're trying to run 225 and you run like 230, that's more like a 15 to 20 minute window for me, I think, just based on how fast you're running. Um, so yeah, I, I was trying, I was trying to try to tell myself that I looked at like all the, the wide range of, of abilities and people out there and it looked like a pretty big addition of time Yeah, for most Minus Alephine <laughs> and Sharon. Because yeah, right? yeah, right. <laughs> Sharon, who won, negative split the race. That's that's wild. <laughs> Especially wild in New York because I don't know how you don't lose time on mile 23, 24 when you're like on 5th Ave. Is that 5th Ave? I think so. Before Yeah, you're on 5th when you're, yeah. It's the I, longest I, I, grind. It was rough. It was just rough trying to chase people to, to 22, so. yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, thanks for taking time on your day off work. I really appreciate it. And, um, well, hopefully we'll talk soon. Let's talk in the spring sometime. That'd be great. Okay. Thanks, Susanna. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. So excited about this series. We've got another exciting podcast coming out tomorrow for this post New York city marathon series. And then two more next week and two more the week after. And we will also have our regular Friday shows as well. So fun, right? Don't forget to check out our sponsor for this series, the presenting sponsor, Lagoon. Go to lagoonsleep.com. Use the code Lindsay at checkout for an exclusive 15% off your first order. Go get yourself a good pillow. You deserve a good pillow, friends. Uh, all right. You can learn more about this podcast and any of the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. You can find me on Instagram. I'd love to connect with you, lindsayhine626. I'm also on Twitter, at lindsayhine. And we have a great Facebook group. Come join us. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. Thanks for being here. Have a great rest of your day. And we'll see you next time.